Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I'm SoCal. I'm going to start with Westbrook. Russell Westbrook dropped a video, video this morning. And Laker fans, let me tell you something. It's a killer. Are you ready? You may think you are. But I know you're not. Because this is not something you want to wake up to. This is not something you want to see. You may think you are prepared for this. Trust me, you are not. So, before I hit play, you have been warned. You have been warned. Check it. You won't break my soul. 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 I'm telling everybody. 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 Turns out Russ is singing. Is like his shooting. It's ass. And right now, pretty much no one in that league shoots it worse than this dude. He's got no range on the floor. He's got no range on the mic. That is literally the worst singing from an athlete since Carl Lewis grabbed a mic before a Nets game. Absolute king. And don't you ever forget that. But back to Russ. Because it's hilarious that he's singing along to Beyonce's Break My Soul. Just minutes before, he broke the soul of every living Lakers fan. Because shortly after that video dropped, came the official word that Russ was opting in to the final year of his deal worth 47 mil. And even though that's not a shock, in fact, it was totally expected, it still does not ease the pain for Laker fans. Mm -hmm. This guy is singing about how you won't break my soul, and then he goes out and he shatters the soul of every Laker fan. You can't break Russ's soul, but he can break your backboard. Let me be real, and I had to make a decision between Russ and Kyrie, Westbrook, Westbrick, and Kyrie Westbrook. to start the program. I want to be real about this. I do prefer Russ's way of doing it to Kyrie's. His horrible singing was still better than Kyrie's, quote, normal people keep the world going, but those of us who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. Kyrie actually said that, and I will give you the context, and you'll realize just how asinine a statement that is. But at least Russ did not announce that he was opting in for nearly 50 mil and then claimed that the ethereal plane is mightier than the tangible realm or some horse crap like that. So, Laker fans, you are stuck with the brick. Sorry, 
all the photoshops did not work. Pounding the trade machine until your fingers bled did not work. Not only that, Laker fan, but things actually got even worse. Even worse than that because John Wall is reportedly on the verge of joining the Clippers. According to multiple reports, Wall has opted into his deal with the Rockets and then agreed to a buyout, which means he will become a free agent with the expectation of him signing with the Clippers once he does clear waivers. I mean, there was a time when John Wall as a free agent would have been incredibly exciting news. Now is not that time. Now is not that time. Now it's just a big giant meh, meh. Except what it is, aside from meh, it's just more salt in the wounds for the Lakers and Laker fan because the Clippers are most likely going to get this guy for less than 7 mil. So while the Lakers are paying 47 mil for Russ, the Clippers can afford to roll the dice on wall and maybe they come up with something. So the Clippers will have Kawhi coming back and they'll have Paul George healthy as long as he can stay healthy. And they've got a damn good coach in Ty Lu. And what do Kawhi, Paul George, Ty Lu, and John Wall all have in common? Laker fans thought that every one of them was going to be a Laker in the last few years. <laughs> Remember, Paul George, allegedly a lock to be a Laker. Grew up in and around Los Angeles. It's all he ever wanted. He was allegedly a lock to be a Laker until they read him a stupid poem during their pitch to him. And then he was like, oh, hell no. Kawhi supposedly on his way to joining the Lakers until he wasn't. Ty Lue was open to being their head coach until they tried to screw him over. And John Wall was supposedly the answer to getting rid of Russell Westbrook. And yet all of them are going to end up in Clippers gear and they'll have a much, 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 much better look at a title than the Lakers do. Have fun with that, Laker fan. Have fun with that and have fun with this because I know I will. You won't break my soul. You won't break my soul. You won't break my soul. Like I said, his singing is like his shooting. Ass. Westbrook. Let me hear that song again. I want to add my own little spin on it. 47 mil. 47 mil. 47 mil I stole, 47 mil, 47 mil I stole, 47 mil. That's pretty good, man. Everybody. 47 mil. Y'all a bunch of buttholes. 47 mil. Y'all a bunch of buttholes. Everybody, Tell me how my ass tastes. You know what I love? Is it just me? But are we not talking about the most thin-skinned guy ever bumping and destroying that song, You Can't Break My Soul? You can't break my soul. Random eggs on Twitter do it on the hourly. What do you mean you can't break my soul? Too much, man. This dude... And even then, he's still better than Kyrie. Or when I say better than Kyrie, I mean not as weird as Kyrie. 
And Westbrook's right up there. If not for Kyrie, Westbrook is the guy, the gold standard. Hey, Laker fan, how's that taste? Not that you didn't see that coming. What, he was not going to take $47 million? You can't break my soul. Y'all bunch of buttholes. See what I did there? I rhymed soul with butthole. All right, now, just because I made that rhyme, soul with butthole, I know it also rhymes with all that. I don't want any of your, I didn't kill Nicole. Clones, I know what you're thinking before you think it. I just do. You know why? Many of you are simpletons. I didn't kill Nicole. Still too soon and still not amusing. I know you clones. Great, great Rome. Great Rome. You know I was going to go there. I know. I know you were going to go there because I know you better than you know you. And I know what you think before you think it. Come on. If I were to allow I didn't kill Nicole, I'd have to come with all you clones are a-holes. And I can't do that. I don't think that. Some of you are. You won't break my soul. You like it. You like it when I don't walk off after the smack off, right? Because I bring a little something to it. And I'll tell you something else I bring to it. I'm not laying it up either. I am not laying it up either. Look at me. Do I look like I'm laying it up? You can't break my soul. Buttholes. Thanks, Brick. The gift that keeps giving. Russ the Brick. Congrats, Wes Brick. Congrats. And I do want to get into Kyrie. It was, you know, on the one hand, I could have easily have started the program with Kyrie because this guy, man, this dude opting in and then acting like he changed the world by opting in is incredible, even by Kyrie standards. Incredible. The reason I did not start with Kyrie is I'm a SoCal native and I'm starting with a SoCal topic because I'm going to represent the West Coast as hard as I possibly can. But I will get to Kyrie. That's why I'm doing that. And you know why else? Because, because this is my show. This is my show. This is my show. You're a butthole. This is my show. This is my show. Don't be a butthole. Telling all of you, this is my show. This is how I got in the Hall of Fame. You like me now. This is what happens when you drag me down to your level. The calf slicer, the Peruvian necktie. There are tons of ways to come out on top in the octagon. And for UFC 276, there's one more with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win and get $100 in free bets, win or lose. Whether it's Adesanya with a knockout kick or a powerful punch from Cannoneer, you win no matter what. And with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can turn another small bet into a big payday. Combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, number of knockouts, and more. For UFC 276, you can place a Same Game Parlay, and if it hits, you will win double. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code ROAM. Bet 5 bucks on any UFC 276 fighter to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code ROAM this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. 
Cole Komet is my guest. Cole, it's so good to have you on. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Jim? Thanks good. for having me. It's great to have you. So there's a lot that I want to get caught up with you on, but I want to ask you about tight end you in Nashville. You went for the second time. I talked to guys who went to TEU last year. What was the experience like for you this time around? Yeah, I think this year was just really bigger and better. Uh, kind of the same stuff we did last year in terms of getting to know guys and kind of meeting some uh, legendary guys this year. We had Dallas Clark there and uh, kind of get to learn some things from him. But, you know, classroom work, on-field stuff, and then obviously, uh, you know, got to enjoy Nashville a little bit. But uh, a good time to get everybody around and, and get to know each other. Right, so I'm glad you mentioned Dallas Clark. I was going to ask you because Dallas Clark said, quote, I just got fired up. We can talk until we're blue in the face, but it's got to come from the heart. It's a mindset. And then to be around the best of the best, are you kidding me? How do you not get fired up? End of quote. So even a guy like that was pumped up. He was talking about mindset. So, Colt, what is the mindset that is required to play tight end in the NFL and thrive? Yeah, well, Dallas, you know, he was really talking about, you know, you get all the data analytics now and sports science stuff. But at the end of the day, you just got to, it's got to come from the heart and you got to be able to, you know, make that play on third down or make that play at the end of the game. Um, so you just got to do what to ask. And, you know, we do kind of that gritty work, uh, you know, in the trenches, but also have to make those tough catches across the middle and take some hits. So that's kind of our job as a tight end and, you know, just being all knowing of the offense. So, um, you know, he dropped some really good wisdom on us uh, for the week and, we're able to get some good things out of Dallas for sure. Cole Komet joining us. I'm going to talk to you about that that gritty, dirty work you got to do in a minute. But in talking to guys like Greg Olson, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey in the past, they've always made the case that while tight ends do get more respect now than they did back in the day, they're still not getting the respect they actually deserve. Does it feel that way to you? Well, yeah, for sure. I think you look like a guy like you know, you know, Travis and George. Um, and if you were to compare them to receivers, you know, they're underpaid and. Uh, you look at the things that they've done, their time in the league, and you know they've been number one receivers for multiple years uh, in, in their organization. So um, obviously, you know that that's kind of how it is right now. But I think that's changing, and that'll continue to change, you know, as the years go on. Right, so one more thought about your peers. Early last season, you were talking about studying film of Kittle, Kelsey, Gronk in particular, and how they get open and what they do to get open. What did you learn from those sessions, and how did that show up on the field? Like what separates them, and how were you or what were you able to apply? Yeah, well, I think you know all three of those guys play a little bit differently. When you look at George, he's able to use his speed off the line and, and use his ability to block in line and, and his, their different run concepts and all that stuff to get open and you look at Travis, who, who's got unbelievable route running and feel with, within the game and with this quarterback. And, and then you look at Gronk, a guy who's been able to use his strength and, and also his, his vertical speed down the field to get open. So all three of those guys, you know, have different ways of getting open. And, you know, I kind of look at myself and see what are the things that I can pick up from those guys. And, you know, for myself this year, you know, I'm going into a similar offense uh, that, that George, the Georgians have been running in, in San Francisco. So definitely pick up, up some of those things. And then body top, Body top wise, I, I look at Gronk and you know how he plays and, and things like that. So you, you just kind of pick and you got to pick and choose uh, some of the things that those guys do and and try to implement them in your game. So talking to Cole Komet, you know Cole, you've played 33 games in the NFL, but you've already done it with four different quarterbacks. I'm curious, how would you describe the chemistry that you have now with Justin Fields, and what kind of expectations do you have for the upcoming season? Yeah, obviously we we both have high expectations because of that just the type of people we are. But you know our uh, our chemistry has been growing and it's going to continue to grow. You know I thought we had a really a great OTA session uh, here these past couple months. You know now we're on a little break and 
you know, no go, now going into camp, we'll just kind of pick up where we left off and, and going into the preseason using those games and, and then leading into week one. So looking forward to it. And, you know, you know, we have high expectations for ourselves, obviously, and the standards to meet, but uh, we're looking forward to just kind of continue growing with one another. So I think it seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's one thing for the quarterback to call a play in the huddle, and then it's another thing for the quarterback to, like, own that play in the huddle or own that moment in the huddle or show up a certain way in the huddle. How significantly different does Justin feel to you this year in terms of his comfort with the offense and his role as a leader? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can see, you can tell it's, it, it's his show right now, and, and he's running like that in practice, and, and you're seeing that on the practice field. So, yeah, that's the thing you, you see from last year to this year and, you know, just how he carries himself in the huddle, and that's, that's giving guys confidence around him. So, you know, that's only going to get better as, uh, as we get, get moving here and as we get going into camp. So I know guys are feeding off his energy, and we're excited about this upcoming season. Cole Komet joining us. Listen, I know you can't give everything away, but I'm curious, how would you describe your role in Luke Getze's offense? How different is it from what you've been asked to do in the past? Yeah, well, I think for me, you know, you look at this, you know, this new West Coast system that's kind of been, uh, you know, in the NFL recently that, that a lot of teams have been picking it up on, whether it's Minnesota, San Francisco, or, or Green Bay. And, you know, you, I kind of look at those guys, those the tight ends, how they've been used in those, in those offenses. And, you know, obviously in the run game with the wide zone stuff and then, you know, play action off of all that. So I'm really just kind of looking at all those, those teams, you know, in the past that have been running this and, you know, using this towards my advantage. All right, so it'd be pretty easy to just focus on the receiving end and say, hey, this is where I'm going to help the team. But you talked about the grunt work, the grittiness, the tough work. You said earlier, this is a great line, you said earlier, quote, that you crave violence through my blocks. It's one thing to understand that's part of the job. It's another thing to crave the violence through your blocks. What is it about blocking that you love so much? Well, I mean, I think I love I love the boys up front. You know, the offensive linemen; those are some of my best friends. To be able to do some some things with them uh, is a lot of fun, and you want to be a part of that. You don't just kind of want to ser- be a service guy. You want to be part of that run game and 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 take part in that effort. And then, obviously, along with that, you're able to open, open yourself up in the pass game as well. Um, you're, if you're able to be in line and all that stuff, and you know, you, you use a play action or a movement pass off of that, uh, you're going to be more open. So. You know, being able to use the run game is obviously just a lot of fun in general, you know, with David and Cleo back there and being part of it with the offensive line, but it also gets you open in the pass game. Hey, Cole, it seems to me like you're kind of rolling with all this. I mean, you're a pro. You're a pro, but you're entering your third season with the Bears, but you're entering your third season with the Bears as somebody who played high school ball in Arlington Heights, about 30 miles away from Soldier Field. Like, is there any part of you that's still like, nobody gets to play at home. Is there any part of you that's like, man, this is still a dream, or is it just all normal and business at this point? Yeah, no, I, I recognize that every day. I'm, I'm super fortunate to be where I'm at, and super lucky to really have st- stuck around the Midwest here. You know, obviously growing up in the the northwest suburbs of Chicago, and then having the opportunity to go play at Notre Dame, and then being drafted by you know my hometown team, it's it's special. And you know, I recognize that every day, and. I don't take a, a day for granted when I walk in that building because, uh, you know, not many people get to do things like this, and, and I'm really fortunate about it. So, uh, you know, I'm taking it one day at a time, obviously, and you know, but I, I'm, I'm grateful every day I walk in that building. Right, speaking of getting things to do that not normal people get to do, along those same lines, you and a bunch of teammates were recently at Wrigley Field, and you got a chance to take some BP. 
And now here's the thing. You're not a football player that picked up a baseball bat. You won a state title in baseball in high school. You played at Notre Dame. You obviously can handle a bat. But still, what was it like to take BP at Wrigley? And then how did that session go? Yeah, uh, that, that was a blast. Um, you know, that's my, that, that is my favorite place on earth, Wrigley Field. I love, I love going there to watch games. and uh, that, That's the place that I, I've been to growing up all the time. And it's just a great atmosphere in Wrigley. So to be able to be on the field and, and take BP, it was, uh, it was pretty awesome and pretty special. I was able to win the home run derby within our team. Uh, Justin hit two out, I hit three, but we had a blast, and it was a good uh, team bonding opportunity for sure. Listen, I I think people have to understand. I know this because I've got a couple of kids that played high school baseball, and I know the whole thing. Like, from the earliest age, we got them going in travel ball and all that goes into it. Man, even to play college baseball on any level is amazing. Never mind that you made it to the NFL and you're starting in the NFL. That is not a small thing at all. I'm curious, what was the college baseball experience like for you? Were you just moving season to season, or do you have really fond memories and bonds with the guys you played college baseball with? Yeah, no, I, I have a ton of great bonds. They were just actually recently in the College World Series, so I was up. Uh, I was up last week in Omaha, and you know, five, five or six of those guys that I played with were all were all playing uh, in the College World Series. So the catcher that I was throwing to was there, Dave Lamana, and you know, all my other friends that that were playing, and uh, yeah, so pretty cool stuff. You know, I was able to create some really great bonds and, and guys that I I still talk to to this day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just moving on from season to season, really. Finish up with football, get a week break, and then I had a you know, report early in the winter to, to get started with uh, preseason camp for baseball. And then it kind of just carried on until June and got a week break, and then, boom, right back to football. So it was, uh, it was pretty hectic for sure, but I enjoyed every minute of it and, you know, definitely uh, was a great opportunity so finally it's not an original thought but i do want to ask you most people and i've got about a minute left most would say you need to specialize you need to specialize would you not argue that you were better at every sport for playing every sport yeah i'm I'm against the specialized thing um you know i get it obviously at a certain point you got to pick but uh i say play as many as you can for as long as you can i think first of all mentally it's a great thing you know it keeps you keeps you fresh each season that you're playing and and it keeps it fun and loose. So I think that's a big deal. And, and it just makes you an overall better athlete, I believe. You know, so all, all, the, all the sports have different movements and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm just a big proponent of, of playing as many as you can for as long as you can. Honestly, I've asked that question probably 100 times. And that's about as good an answer as I've received. I really agree with you. He's a tight end for the Bears. He was second on that team in receiving yardage last season. High expectations for the coming year once again. Chicago's going to open up against San Francisco on September 11th. Tight end Cole Komet, my guest. Cole, great to get caught up. Thanks so much. Really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Appreciate you. Listen, now more than ever, I understand how investing can get really confusing, especially when people keep using terms like meme stocks, altcoin, and shilling. With all that jargon flying around, it can be hard to figure out how to start investing. Getting your money right is easier than with SoFi, the first investing platform to offer stocks, ETFs, automated investing, and cryptocurrency too, all in one single app. So whether you're eager to get started with investing or you already know the ropes and you want to diversify your portfolio, SoFi has your back. And no commissions on trading stocks and ETFs, plus no account fees or hidden fees. Complimentary financial planners are ready to help with any questions, whether you're stuck on where to start or you need help deciding what to do next. And explore the world of cryptocurrency alongside the rest of your investments. 
30 available coins, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, and more. And SoFi protects against fraud and theft to keep your crypto secure. Cut through the jargon. Make investing easier with SoFi. Go to SoFi.com slash Rome and learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open up an account. That's SOFI.com slash Rome. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. All investments involve risk, including the loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results or future performance. All right, so Kyrie was born on March 23rd, 1992, if I'm not mistaken. That means Kyrie Irving has been Kyrie Irving more than 30 years. But he's never been more Kyrie Irving than in the last 24 hours. This is maybe the most Kyrie that Kyrie has ever been. And it started with a pair of tweets from Sham Sharinia. The first one is good. The second is legendary. Here is the first. And I quote, Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving is opting into his $37 million player option for the 2022-23 season. The Athletic and Stadium has learned. Irving is bypassing on multiple opt-in and trade scenarios to fulfill his four-year commitment to the Nets and Kevin Durant, end quote. So what that means is the part-timer is opting into his one-year option with the Nets. What that means is the part-timer is stuck with the Nets, and the Nets are stuck with the part-timer. But do not sleep on that second sentence, the one that he's, quote, bypassing on multiple opt-in and trade scenarios to fulfill his four-year commitment to the Nets and Kevin Durant, end of quote. Now, that right there is a hilarious statement. I mean, hilarious. Bypassing multiple opt-in and trade scenarios. Listen, if there had been one One, never mind multiple, one remotely appealing opt-in and trade scenario, he would have grabbed it. This dude wanted out of Brooklyn as badly as they wanted this dude out of Brooklyn. If there was any other team that sent him a Greyhound ticket, he'd have left in a heartbeat. But nobody did. Nobody wanted him. I'm not sure what's more hilarious. The claim that he bypassed multiple ways of getting out of Brooklyn or that he's staying because he wants to fulfill his commitment to the team in Kevin Durant. Like, that's the greatest thing ever. Like, all of a sudden, this dude is suddenly the most loyal dude on the planet. He wants to fulfill his commitment. This dude has not fulfilled Jack in years. But now he's staying to honor his contract. Uh Uh-huh. Sure he is. The guy was so committed to his team. So committed to his teammate and friend. So committed to his contract that he skipped the majority of last season. But now he's looking to fulfill his commitment to team and his friend. Now, what a joke. That is an absolute joke. The only reason he is staying in Brooklyn is because his leverage play absolutely bombed. He tried getting leverage. He tried to flex. He tried to swing a hammer, and he had none of the above. And everybody knew it. This guy tried to show up at a poker table, a high-stakes poker table at the Bellagio with a bunch of index cards that he had written ace and king on. 
in crayon and thought that everybody would believe that he was actually holding onto a great hand. This dude was playing chess against air. Or so he thought. Like, hey man, I got this. You know who the hell I am? I'm Bobby Fisher playing chess against air. I'm playing chess against air. And he still lost. Thought he was the smartest guy in the room and failed miserably. Man, this dude tried everything. He tried to get that big-time extension from the Nets. They were not interested. He threatened to leave. No other team was interested. He tried to leverage his relationship with KD. Nobody gave a damn. Dennis Schroeder can't believe how terribly Kyrie read the market. But as always, there's more. And believe me, that's more than enough. But there's more, as always, because Shams followed that first tweet with this. An all-time gem. An all-time gem of a quote from the chess master himself, Kyrie. This is what Kyrie had to say about the whole thing. Quote, normal people... Keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. I've made my decision to opt in. See you in the fall. A11. I mean, holy crap. That might be the best quote ever. I know it's the most hilarious quote ever. (laughs) Normal people keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. Dude said that. Yo, man, did you rip that from some middle schooler's yearbook? Did you take that from a successories poster? Live, laugh, love. Cannot believe the stupidity of normal people keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. My guy, that's not wise or profound. That is like the dumbest bumper sticker ever. And you just slapped it on a rusted out Yugo and you acted like you had a Ferrari. He just walked up the down escalator and acted like he invented a time machine. Except he didn't even walk up the down escalator. He went down the down escalator. Dude just took a dump in his own bed. And declared, normal people keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. Except actually, if anything, that's giving too much credit. Taking a dump in your own bed would be radical compared to what he did. Not only is the chess master's quote not wise, nor profound, it doesn't bleeping apply here. The part-timer opted into a $37 million contract and is saying that he dared to be different. Dude, you just did the very thing that absolutely every single person on this planet would do. And you're telling us how different you are. You, let me repeat that. You did the very thing that every single person on this planet would do. But you're different. Yeah, I know you hate normies. But you just did the most normie thing ever. You took the option with the most money. That's the most normal thing ever, dope. There's nothing radical about taking the most money. That's what humans have done since the invention of the most money. Next time I have breakfast, 
for dinner. I'm going to shout, normal people keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. Except this dope didn't even have breakfast for dinner. He had dinner for dinner and acted like he changed the whole world. Ordering three sides and calling it a meal would be radical compared to what this dude just did. I mean, can you imagine being so far up your own ass that you think that opting into a $37 million contract is radical and, quote, leads us into tomorrow? This dude's acting like he's Steve Jobs, Albert Einstein, and Gandhi rolled into one. When in reality, he is a point guard who has been an absolute train wreck ever since he left Cleveland. If you actually dared to be different, you would have opted out and signed somewhere else. That's the radical move. Leaving 30 mil on the table would have been the radical move that could have led us into tomorrow. But you didn't do that. You took the money, the thing that everybody has done forever in the history of life. And again, the most laughable thing about this guy is he thinks this bleep works. He thinks there are some people who actually buy it. The only person you're fooling is yourself, part-timer. The part-timer didn't just strike out. He struck out, and he smashed himself in the package with the bat and then announced to the world that he completely changed everything. He struck out, smashed his own junk with the bat, and, stat- and just stood there at home plate admiring his work like he called his shot. The part-timer is also the full-time dream killer, all right? Dude, I wish you were what you said you were. I wish you did change the world. Because having Kyrie on the Lakers would have been better than sliced bread. Sliced bread. Not going to lie. I can't tell you how badly I wanted Kyrie in a purple and gold uniform right next to the Space Jam killer and street clothes. Team content stock would have gone right through the roof, man. I would have gone right next door to Lincoln Riley Bought a house and paid cash for it. I would have just shown up with stacks of cash. Hey, Link. What up? Rome here. We're neighbors now. Dang, Rome. I saw that stuff online, but I didn't really believe it. Yeah, whatever. Team content. Business is good, man. Kyrie's here. I gotta be honest. I'm not sure I've ever wanted anything in my life more than I wanted that. And, and frankly, clones, I don't ask for a hell of a lot. I'm a pretty simple guy, pretty happy guy. I don't really need anything at all. Well, minus every single gadget under the sun before it comes out and hits the actual market, but whatever. No, this I needed, though. This I needed. I mean, like, no offense to my son, Logs. Love you, son. However, but, I mean, love's unconditional, right? Usually, but if I had two doors in front of me right now, one, a college scholarship with a full ride for Logs, Rogan or to play baseball, or door number two, Kyrie in a Laker uniform, sadly, Logs, you are headed to Pierce Community College in the San Fernando Valley, 818 for life. Let's face it, son. You ain't playing Major League Baseball. 
Kyrie, however, could pay it for you actually getting into a college if you get your act together and get that ACT score up. I need this Kyrie thing. I need this thing yesterday. Get your ass to the library. Love it every single time. I love that sound. Always pumps me up. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is the best. It gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. So upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Listen, scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I know this. I've done this myself with this show and my podcast and my side hustles. Shopify helps with all of that. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, and get a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Once again, go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E right now, shopify.com slash Rome. Israel Adesanya is my guest. Israel, great to have you back on. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for the introduction. That was cool. Yeah, it's cool to have you on. Really cool to have you on. So you're always going to bring energy and juice to every single card, but when you're headlining in July during International Fight Week and you're sharing the card with a good friend like Alexander Volkanovsky, is there even more juice and energy than you you typically might have? Does this get you even more hyped? Definitely. I'll be lying if I say it didn't. Um, each fight I go into, main objective is the same. Get in there and destroy the opposition. But because it's International Fight Week, I've got Alexander Volkanovsky, you know, settling the score. Well, actually, not even settling the score. You know, beating uh, Max Holloway for a third time. Uh, I've got Brad Riddell as well on the card. And Carlos Alberg, my teammate, just fought last weekend and destroyed in the first round. Something, something is just uh, in the air. Something magical about this. This week, you know, um, we're coming over from New Zealand and Australia, storming the shores of the USA, holding the line. And yeah, it's going to be our time. Israel Adesanya, already, there you are. Listen, in talking about Saturday night, I've heard you say, quote, I want to do something spectacular. I'm headlining. I'm not going to disappoint. Expect the unexpected. What you're going to see is me at my best. I want to show off. What I'm hearing from you is just winning is not enough. You want to win a certain way. What would you consider spectacular? What do you have in mind? Um, mm, spectacular. I mean, we all know what we're talking about. Knockout, submission, Um maybe even like a 5-0 shutout, complete shutout and the destruction of Jared Cannonier. If he's tough enough to handle what, I, what I'm bringing, the onslaught I'm bringing, but I really don't think he is. I feel like even the cardio, like once he starts to get tired and feels me growing, he's going to shut down. 
Israel Adesanya joining us. You've also said, quote, I don't care about wins or losses anymore. I don't care about belts. It's not about money anymore. I know when I show off and have fun that I'm the best in the world, end of quote. I think that's a really interesting attitude. Like, if you don't care about the belts or the money, what's the motivation at this point? Is it respect? Is it legacy? Is it fame? Or is it something else? Fuck fame, but I love the perks. I've always said that. Um, But it's not about like I said, belts, winning or losses. Like I've set out to do what I what I wanted to do in this game when I first got here. Um, I've got new goals now, but the belt just um, you know it looks nice. You know, it looks really really good on me. It brings more money, but it's not really about the belt. And yeah, it's not about wins or losses. You know, records or you know numbers and the stats and ooh, who's got the most this, who's got the most that, knockdowns and whatnot. Nah, it's just about legacy, like you said. Um, taking out everybody I can in this era while I'm alive, while I'm still here. And I'm at the top of my game, target on my back. I turn around and I see a bunch of dudes trying to take at me. So, yeah, for me it's about just taking all of them out and then is there no one else? You know what I mean? I kind of already did that. I'm lapping the division um, because I've already had two rematches in a row. So I'm glad to have some new blood in Jared Cannonier and I've got some more new blood after him, hopefully. Israel Adesanya joining us. Is there any part of Cannoneer and his approach that concerns you at all? Or when you've beaten the guys you've beaten, is this just another opponent, just the next guy standing in front of you? I'm telling you, it's just another guy in front of me. Um, I respect what he brings to the table, um, but it's not enough to make me worried in the sense that, you know, it'll put me out of my game. I'm just here to do me, like I said, show off and have fun. Hey, listen, I understand that you have a business. Like you got business to take care of, and you're locked in on this, and you're focused on this guy. But I also know this, Israel. You get asked about John Jones quite a bit. Is it something you think about? Is he on your radar? Is there any interest in venturing back up to light heavyweight? He doesn't even fight at light heavyweight, so he should go up to heavyweight and fight. Actually, after saying it for 13 years, I've actually done it with three within three years in the company because I've got some cojones on me. What do you make of him? Do you, what do you think? I talked to Dana White about him yesterday. He goes, no, he's ready. John, I don't John's really care about him. This is my week. Fuck John Jones. He ain't even in the game no more. Respect, Israel. I respect that. I understand that. Let me ask you something. You, you've you manifested. You've talked about like a mental approach. Like if I want something to happen, I manifest it. I know I've got that power within me. Like have you manifested all of this, your career, your life, your fame, everything that's come along with it? Is it all a product of that manifestation? Definitely, everything that we do in this life is a manifestation of us, of, of our from our from our thoughts, our actions, our imaginations. We manifest every single thing: the good, the bad, the ugly. But yeah, um, all these things that I'm doing, being a UFC champion, fucking driving up and down the strip, Vegas yesterday, and seeing my face plastered on the biggest screens everywhere. That's that you know, that's me. That's all from the power of imagination. That's from the power of of thought, of prayer, of hard work. And also a strong team behind me, but I'm like I said, without it all begins with me. I have a strong team behind me, but without me, without the inception, without 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 me sparking that that light, there'd be no fire. UFC 276 out of Sanya Cannoneer coming up on Saturday. Before I let you go, 
I had another conversation or part of the conversation with Dana White, and we were talking about your fight at UFC 236 and the fact that you said, quote, if I am prepared to die, I am prepared to kill. But I really meant that in the moment. I signed my life away. I was like, this is it. If this is how I die, what a glorious death and what a way to go out in front of a whole world in a crazy battle. End of quote. I want to ask you, what do you remember about that moment? And then how different are you a fighter after coming out of that moment now? Um, I remember dominating the fight, um, most of the fight, uh, until the fourth round when he surprised me with a head kick. And then after that, I um, went back to my corner. I did not lose faith. I did not lose hope for one slot. I just knew, like, all I need is a minute. I'll catch my breath again. So I really took the full extent of that minute, took Eugene's words in, turned around, and I realized this is it. Because I knew if I was tired, he was fucked. Excuse me. So, yeah, you know, I signed my life away. And I really meant that shit. And if I'm ready to die, I'm ready to kill. So I'm glad he's alive to see, you know, another day. And, yeah, shout out to Kelvin Gastelum. Israel Adesanya is joining us. My man, I think you've set the record for F-bombs in the middle of the day on CBS Sports Radio. But you know what? That's I don't want to say it's oh, all right because they're My coming bad. for me. But it's real, man. You're real. You're real, you're authentic, and this is what you get. This is why you and I talked about this a couple years back when I said to you, you, you're going to be a superstar. I know that you have the ability and the mindset. At what point did you first know, like, I am that guy. I am a superstar. All eyes are on me. The target's on my back, and I like that. I like the way that feels. When did you first know that? Fight number four in, in kickboxing. Fight number four. I was really young, and it's, I relate to something Ali said. Ali said, I'm the greatest. I said it before I knew I was. And that resonates with me. So from fight number four and kickboxing, I knew I was the one. All right, so let me ask you about Alexander Volkanovsky before you go. That Saturday night, he's defending that belt. You mentioned this against Max Holloway. This is a great, great matchup, a really important fight. You know Alex really, really well. How do you see that fight going? Honestly, momentum's on Alex's side. The, the, just the way he's been fighting lately, he's, he's coming into his own really um he's really uh how do i say standing 10 toes deep in his power and i just feel that when i'm around him i see it when he trains he really inspires me and credit to max i've seen max around this week he's a cool guy i'm a fan of the style i'm a fan of his of his work for years his legacy as well but when it comes to teammates fuck the other side and i just know what alexander brings to the table and he's spent 10 rounds We've spent 10 rounds with Max. We have enough tape and enough knowledge of what's happening that we know uh, what's to come. Dude, I've spent enough time with you on this show today to know that uh, we're dealing with a star, a superstar. He is the middleweight champion, undefeated at middleweight. This is a big, big week, a big, big fight card. UFC 276. Israel, you sound locked, my man. You sound absolutely locked in Saturday. Can't wait to see you put on a show and do what you do. I appreciate you. Good to have you back, man. Thank you very much, champ. No worries. Thank you for having me. The calf slicer, the Peruvian necktie. There are tons of ways to come out on top in the octagon. And for UFC 276, there's one more with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win and get $100 in free bets, win or lose. Whether it's Adesanya with a knockout kick or a powerful punch from Cannoneer, you win no matter what. And with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can turn another small bet into a big payday. 
combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, number of knockouts, and more. For UFC 276, you can place a same-game parlay, and if it hits, you will win double. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code ROAM. Bet 5 bucks on any UFC 276 fighter to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code ROAM this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Like one of the biggest quarterback mysteries of the offseason is still very much a mystery. Where is Jimmy G going to end up? Or maybe more accurately, who wants Jimmy G? Or maybe more accurately, does anybody want Jimmy G? And I'm not here to crucify this guy. I'm just asking, I think, valid, objective questions. We're at the end of June, and I don't know anything more than anybody else seems to know about these questions. And nobody seems to know anything, right? This dude's recovering from a March surgical procedure on his throwing shoulder. That much we know. In fact, that's about all we know. That and the fact that people are talking lots of bleep. Now, that's not new. That's definitely true. And that's not new. Outside of the Niners locker room, everybody's got something to say about Jimmy G. This offseason has been open season on Garoppolo. It's been like the Jimmy G dunk contest on Twitter since the very moment the Niners blew that 17-7 lead in the NFC Championship. Frisco fan wants nothing to do with him. Other fan bases want nothing to do with him. And apparently even portions of the NFL fraternity are down on Jimmy and want nothing to do with him. Now, I want to be very clear about this. Based on my experience... Based on the Niners that I talk to, current Niners, I'm talking about the guys in that locker room. They seem to back him. They seem to think that he is rock solid. They've got his back. I've talked to these guys, and I've talked to them on the air, and they all back him. And it's not like fake support either. I buy it. Eric Armstead, for instance, was on this show last week. He was the latest to make the case for Jimmy taking unfair heat for the team's failures and that he is, in fact, plenty good enough to win. When you don't, you know, win the Super Bowl, then, you know, people start to point their fingers and question why and look for reasons why. And sometimes it really, you know, it's not too many reasons, you know, just not everyone can, can win each year. And so I think, you know, he's probably number one. Uh, the quarterback position is obviously very important, and so he, he becomes the number one prime suspect of why we can't get over the hump. Is it fair? I wouldn't say no. Uh, I would say no. It's not fair. You know, Jimmy's a great quarterback, and uh, like I said, you know, I was on the part of a lot of losing seasons, you know, before he joined our team, and uh, he brought a, uh, a sense of a uh, new, profound energy and faith, you know, in that position, you know, to help us win, and I think he's obviously proven that um, he's a phenomenal quarterback and uh, can't win games. See, that does not sound to me like somebody saying what they're supposed to say or saying what they think they're supposed to say. That sounds like a guy who believes what he's saying. I was here before that guy got here. Things changed when he got here. He brought a certain energy and a certain belief that we could win. And I've asked the same sort of thing of a number of different Niners this offseason— And they've all pretty much given the same version of that answer. As in, they all back him up. 
And they all think that he is good enough to win. And good enough to win games that matter. And then they'll point to huge games that he's already won. So that's the vibe inside the locker room. And wouldn't that matter the most, right? You would think. Those are the guys that live and work with that guy. But step outside that locker room for a second, and it's an entirely different deal. It's not that hard to find people who want to diss him and even put their name to it. And I'm not talking about, again, randos on Twitter, eggs on Twitter. I'm talking about guys who matter. I'm talking about guys in the NFL fraternity. I'm talking about guys who have played with him. All right? Guys who played with him. And none louder or more vicious than my guy, former jungle legend, Martellus Bennett, Bennett, who dropped some savage quotes on the McCourty Twins double coverage podcast this week. Savage, shocking quotes. Marty B didn't just land a few jabs at Jimmy G for holding himself out of a Patriots game during TB44 suspension back in 2016. Marty was swinging to knock this guy's head off his shoulders. Bro, we lost two games. One of them was because Jimmy Garoppolo was being a bitch and didn't and try to quit. He quit before us on the last. Decided not to play right before the game, so we went out there. Jacob, Jacoby came out and played with a thumb and gave his played his heart out but jimmy was just being a bitch about it all and he's still being like that's why he you can't win with a bitch for a quarterback i mean i mean period i mean first of all i love martellus i've always loved martellus this is why i love martellus all right and there are a lot of athletes now who just say things to say things to get people to look at them and react to them. Martellus has always been like this. Martellus has always been a different cat. Alvin, I need to hear that one more time. I mean, he literally just said it. He came right out and said it. We lost a couple of games because Jimmy G was being a bitch and he quit on us. And Jacoby Brissett's out there totally jacked up and giving us everything he has, but Jimmy was a bitch who quit on us. Bro, we lost two games. One of them was because Jimmy Garoppolo was being a bitch and didn't and try to quit. He quit before us on the last. Decided not to play right before the game, so we went out there. Jacob, Jacoby came out and played with a up thumb and gave his played his heart out. But Jimmy was just being a bitch about it all, and he's still being like that's why he. You can't win with a bitch for a quarterback. He was being a bitch. He quit on us, and you can't win with a bitch for a quarterback. You can't win with a bitch for a quarterback. What an incredibly wild thing for a dude to say about an ex-teammate in almost any context, much less your quarterback, especially one that's still active in the league. And pretty wild to be able to get that, to get off a blast like that. And notice neither of the McCordys, who I hold in the highest regard, neither one of them jumped out, jumped in and said, now hold up, hold up, hold up. Marty, hold up. They just, they just kind of laughed. They didn't even act surprised, slightly surprised that he went there with that kind of intensity. But notice neither one of them jumped in, interrupted him, or took exception to that. They didn't say hold up. They let him go. I mean, that that is incredible. And if you thought that was bad, Julian Edelman took it a step further and fully endorsed the rant on the I Am Athlete podcast. I guess, you know, Jimmy was practicing, and then 
you know, decided not to play, and, and Jacoby played with, you know, no ligaments in his thumb, which you can't do that as a quarterback. Yeah. You can't you grip, and if it's your left. And a lot, of, a lot of guys got mad about it. A lot of guys got mad. I'm not going to lie, I got mad about it. You know, I sacrificed my body all damn long, all day long. I was taking shots for this, numbing up that, ribs, broken ribs, shoulders, you know, grade three, hanging on by limbs just to play, you know. And, you know, I, I can understand why Marty thinks like that. Incredible. You know, maybe something's changed. But I'll tell you what hasn't changed. Those guys haven't forgotten. You know, and th- those are two variations of the code right there that just got violated. Like, Marty just said it point blank. Like, that guy's a bitch and a quitter. And we lost because of that. And I haven't forgotten it. And Julian Edelman said, you know what? I agree. I can understand why. I did everything I could to get on the field. Edelman just said it. Jimmy G was practicing, and I'm out there completely jacked up. And then he actually kind of let us in, the world of what these guys do to get on the field. He's like, I'm shot up. I've got all sorts of things wrong. wrong. I'm numbed up. You know, that's that whole world that we're not supposed to know about. Tore it all whatever they're they're taking the spike for, anything to get on the field. And these guys were making the point that he was on the field. He was practicing and then took himself out. I mean, holy crap. I think that settles it. I don't know that those two guys speak for the entire team, but at least two of those guys speak for a lot of them, and they thought that Jimmy G was a, quote, bitch back in 2016. And very clearly, they still think so. And not only still think so, but think so with an intensity. Not only think so with an intensity, they're not afraid to tell you. In fact, they're practically begging you to ask the question so they can tell you. Now, the question is, does that really have anything to do with Jimmy in Frisco? And does that have anything to do with the fact that teams do not want him right now? I don't know. It doesn't really address the fact that Dude had been playing through injuries while with the 49ers. And for a guy who's, quote, too big of a bitch to win, he's done a lot of winning in the Bay. Let's be clear about that for a second. He is, whatever you want to say about him, and I know a lot of you don't buy it and don't buy into him, but he is 31-14 and as a Niners starting quarterback. He is 4-2 and in playoff games. He did play in a Super Bowl. I'm not saying this guy's perfect. Far from it. I am saying he has eaten a lot of dubs for a dude who, quote, can't win because he is a bitch for a quarterback. But still, that quarterback does not have a starting spot secured for this coming season. Nor does he have an obvious suitor to grab him in a trade this summer. And I would imagine quotes like that flying around are not going to inspire a whole lot of confidence, which brings me back to my opening question. Where the hell is Jimmy G going to play this year? Or the better question, does anybody actually want Jimmy G? And this question, are they not coming for him because of that surgery and they're not sure where he is physically? Or is it something else? Is it because they have concerns about his health, or is it because they think he's, quote, a bitch? Bitch. Who quit on his team. I mean, that is is incredible. 
that those two guys came as strong as they did. And it's not one, it's two. And it's not two, but it's two respected, credible players. So who are you going to believe? All the guys that live with and play with him right now, or those guys who lived with him, played with him back then? Or are they both right, frankly? Did he change? If he was that way, has he changed? I don't know. It depends who you ask. I keep asking current 49ers, and they keep giving me a variation of what Eric Armstead said. No, we like him. We think he is a winner. We think he has played through things. We know what it was like before he got here. But if you ask Marty, you will get a very different answer. Bitch. And before you go discrediting Marty and say he's got an axe to grind or he's got an agenda, know two things about my dude. Number one, he is the very last athlete that I ever saw with a Blackberry in public. Credit for that. I love that. He had a BlackBerry, a BlackBerry passport. I couldn't believe it. And number two, he was the one who famously dropped this track. I love Captain Crunch. It's my favorite type of lunch. I eat a whole bunch. I love Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch with no berries. Just ain't right. I'm addicted to the captain. He's my crack pipe. Open up the yellow box and crunch your ties. Eat it all the time, even dirt exercise. Eat it on the patio, eat it on my sofa. Eat it in my house shoes, eat it in my loafer. Eat a whole box anytime that I open. Anytime, anytime, get the box open. Bitch. Now you know I like all flavors. Peanut butter good, but the berries just better. The berries just better. The berries just better. I gotta say, man, that the berries just better. Bitch. I love Captain Crunch. It's my favorite type of lunch. Bitch. I love Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch! Captain Crunch! I love Captain Crunch. That is... And this is not even an opinion. This is a fact. That is the most underrated track in the history of the world. That is incredible. And so far ahead of its time. That dropped years and years and years ago. And I'm proud to say that I helped him popularize that. When I first heard that, I was like, holy bleep. Go back and listen to the lyrics on that. It is so funny. How are you going to argue with anything that man says when he is responsible for the most underrated track ever? If Martella says it so, I've got no reason to uh, doubt him. Diagnosis established. So the question is, where do the Niners go from here? If the diagnosis is Jimmy is suffering from, quote, being a bitch, bitch. Is that something that you can take care of in the offseason? Are there specialized medical centers for that anywhere in the U.S.? Is there a medical procedure? Can we put Jimmy under the knife to take care of that? Can you carve out the bitch? Is there a tummy tuck, like a bitch tuck? Or like liposuction? Is there bitch-o-suction? Can you vacuum the bitch out of a guy? You know, like where the surgeon sticks a medical vacuum in there to suction out the dislodged bitch deposits hanging around your heart, your brain, and other internal organs? Bitch. Is there such a thing? Is there bitch-o-suction? Bitch. Rams wide receiver Alan Robinson joins me. Alan, great to have you on. How are you? I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. So it's been just over three months since you signed with the Rams. I know they're fired up to have you. What has the transition been like for you, and how hyped are you to be a member of the Rams? 
Man, it's been a great transition, and I'm extremely excited. You know, I mean, from the time that I stepped foot in the facility, you know, going through the OTA period, going through the mandatory minicamp, you know, it's been nothing but exciting. You know, again, being being able to to learn the offense, you know what I'm saying, being able to get out there with Cooper, being able to get out there with Matthew, you know, Coach McVay, you know, we got a great staff and a great team. There's a lot of good stuff in that answer. So let me ask you, when you come in from the outside, how would you describe Sean McVay's offensive system and what's it been like to pick it up for you? Yes, it's 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 a system that, you know, uh, is able to emphasize all angles of the cuts when it comes to route running for receivers. You know, and that's something that, you know, from the outside looking in before I even signed, that was something that I noticed, you know, seeing the receivers being able to, to run a little bit of everything, you know. And for and for me, you know, being in the league now, going on my ninth season, you know, I feel like I've played in uh, uh, many different offenses, you know. So it just comes down to kind of learning the terminology and learning different things like that, you know. But that process has been uh, – good as well you know being able to get with some of the coaches you know on some of the on some of the off days and some of my free time being able to kind of go over something so that i can get up to speed quickly so you know once time once training camp come i'm able to hit the ground running alan robinson is joining us so you've been on the team's radar actually for quite some time i know matthew stafford had talked to them about you one of the things they love about you is your versatility the fact that you're a deep threat and that you win 50 50 balls in fact, Les Need said, quote, Sean can try to manufacture some one-on-ones and have an MMA fight, end of quote, which is a great quote. Like, so how do you see yourself and your role in that offense going forward? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, the the great thing about it is that we truly can take whatever defenses want to give us. You know, it just comes down to, like I said before, we got a guy under center, you know, who's able to, to, to manage every aspect of the offense, you know, um, that's vertically, that's intermediate, that's short, you know. So, again, it's about going out there, you know, with a plan, with our plan, attacking the defense, you know, and taking what the defense gives us. You know, that's, that's going to be some backside one-on-one opportunity. There's going to be some, you know, front-side stuff. There's many different things that we will be able to take advantage of. You know, like I said before, um, the the true benefit that we have is, you know, we have we have a – a great offense, a great play caller, you know, great quarterback, you know, so we're able to to get to a lot of those different things. Alan Robinson is joining us. Listen, let's be honest. You've put up big numbers over the course of your career, but you've done so while dealing with some pretty challenging quarterback situations. I'm not looking for you to dump on any of your previous teammates or situations. And I know that Matthew Stafford did not throw during the offseason program, but how excited are you about the potential of playing with him specifically? Very excited. Uh, again, um, Matthew is a guy who's played at such a high level for so long. You know, I don't think it's any uh, coincidence, or you know, what I'm saying it's not a it's not a mystery to how he's had two of the two receivers have two of the greatest you know years that we've seen in the game from receivers. And I don't think that that's you know anything that you know that that is odd at all. You know, he's a person who can move the ball down the field. He's a person who you know he. He has the mental capacity to to read defenses and to do a little bit of everything. He's done it at such a high level for so long. You know, um, by him being in Detroit, you know, me growing up in Detroit, I was actually I got a chance to be able to to watch the Matthew Stafford Megatron years, you know, up close and personal, and to see and to see him, you know, play at a high level even then. You know, so now seeing him, you know, with the success that he's had in in, in Los Angeles, so so quickly, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all. You know, he's a person who's done that, you know, from college to in the pros you know so I'm very excited you know again I mean being able to play with a guy with that much experience you know just talking football with him talking concepts you know what he's seen you know uh from snap to snap you know that's it's been great for me 
Alan Robinson joining us. You mentioned Cooper Cup. I'm curious, how do you see you and Cooper working together, and then how much are you going to feed off of each other and help the other get better looks? Man, uh, I, w- I would say that we've been able to we've been able to feed off each other. You know, um, off the get go. You know, being able to just sit down. You know, talk talk football. You know, as we're as we're uh, watching and going over different routes. You know, seeing different angles. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is. Is two of us are, are are guys that are very versatile, you know, across the board, you know. So again, we we both can do a lot of different things. And I think that it gives us a tremendous advantage because it's not, you know, predictable at all to what either of us will be doing when it comes to a particular concept. That's Alan, I'm sure that you're getting acclimated to Southern California. I'm an LA native, so I'm obviously going to be pretty partial to it. But great, great place to live and a great place to work. Last week, or about a week ago, you tweeted, quote, question for you all. LA, do I have to choose between Lakers or Clippers? Can I rock with both? End of quote. I'm really curious. What were the results of that, and have you made your decision? I I haven't made a decision, um, and I will say that – Man, it was it was it was a lot of Lakers fans. I will say that, but it also you know the Clippers made a strong push as well. You know, for me, I'm a big basketball fan. You know, so being able to see Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and AD, and on the other side you got Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, now John Wall. You know, I'm I'm definitely a, a basketball fan of all those guys. You know, and I have been for for a while now. So again, it's when I, when the choice does happen, it'll. <laughs> It'll be a it'll be a tough choice to make, you know. I hope either fan base doesn't doesn't uh, kill me too much on on uh, whatever decision that ends up being. First of all, dude, they will, and second of all, they they made it pretty clear, man. You can't rock both. You have to make a decision, right? They made yeah, that pretty made clear that too. Clear, yeah. man. They made it clear. They said I gotta gotta make a decision. So once the off season kind of plays out, you know, for the NBA. You know, after after free agency, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and make my decision. I respect that. All right. So one last thought: You obviously are a basketball head. You know the game. You love the game. I'm curious. I know you were locked in on the NBA playoffs. What kind of thoughts did you have as you watched Golden State win their fourth? Man, I'll say this: um, I think Golden State is a is a is a is a team that a lot of professional teams can learn from. You know, um, when you talk about the true essence of a championship culture, championship organization, to be able to go from where they were at years ago and to win a championship, then to have to win 15 games two seasons ago, you know, to back being a champion, you know, that's guys, that's the teammates trusting in each other from Steph Curry to Draymond to Clay, you know, that's upper management trusting in their players, trusting the staff and trusting the process in which they believed in those guys to be able to get back. You know, I think that a lot of teams, a lot of organizations may not have kept that together as long as they did, you know, but they had a plan. You know, they, they stuck it through, and they ultimately came out champions, which, you know what I'm saying, once again. So I think that's a true testament to, you know, everybody involved. You know, and that's, and that's the heart of a champion, you know, and the true essence of, of being a champion is not just, you know, being that and saying that when you're at the top, but, you know, having to go through some of those dog years and then getting back to that. I think that's a great take. And then one last question and a follow. Is that part of the reason why you came here? Do you see that same sort of championship culture and mentality with the Rams? It's definitely a special culture, yes, for sure. You know, um, uh, hearing hearing Coach McVay talk, you know, just seeing uh, and being in the locker room with the guys, you know, it's not it's not one of those fields where, you know, people are just kind of, you know, satisfied. You know, they, they, they seem – I don't know how hungry they were last year, you know, but this is a hungry group. You know, and being able to get in the mix with those guys, and and again learn from them, and also bring my hunger along with that. You know, um, uh, it's it 
it definitely is going to marry up to be something special. Like I said before, man, you know, from the outside looking in, it's something in a culture that I've always kind of kind of admired. Just for me, knowing guys who who played on who played on those teams with the Rams, who played under Coach McVay, and you know how highly they've always uh, spoke of the the culture and, and and the culture of the organization. Like I said, I knew that they wanted you, and I can hear it in your voice. You definitely want to be a part of this, too. He's a pro bowler. He was an All-American in college. He was a two-time Big Ten Receiver of the Year. And you got that big-time opener, Rams and Buffalo, on September 8th. Alan Robinson, my guest. Alan, really good to have you on the show. That's a great conversation. Great to get caught up. Appreciate you, and thank you very much for closing out the show for me. No problem. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Silk Bra. What's up, dude? School is out for summer, bro. How right you doing, on. brother? Dude, that's great. I'm great. How about you? I'm um, doing awesome, bro. Up at the beach house here in Silver Strand. You know, I'm 714 for life, bro. But I, I love me some 805, bro. It's beautiful up here. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so uh, Friday was the last day of school, of course. So it wasn't great timing for me. But since the, the sense of humor the clones usually use is like on an eighth grade level, I decided to flip my curriculum a little bit. And I... Uh, I streamed from my laptop to the digital projector. So we had the, uh, the smack off on in class. Luckily, less than half the eighth graders were there on Friday because all their parents took them out of school to go on vacation early. So it was chill, bro. But I want to congratulate you and the crew. You guys uh, did a great job. It was thoroughly entertaining. Even the first hour, as much as people were talking about it, it was still, you know, train wreck's still a train wreck, and you got to gawk at it. So it, it was awesome. I do want to congratulate uh, Caleb. Um, welcome to the club, bro. Um, you talk about him being very humble, and I'd say generally that's true. But when he came out here to visit, um, he, for some reason, he said, dude, take me somewhere where I can karaoke. So I'm like, um, I guess, I can't remember what day it was, but the only place they were having karaoke was in Fountain Valley at Fountain Bowl. Bro. You got to see Caleb on stage, right? He's not humble at all. He's a, he's a bowling alley balladeer, bro. The guy uh, really takes over the stage and gets himself hyped up, bro. It's unbelievable. So congratulations to Caleb. I thought, uh, oh, also uh, James in Portland, man. That guy's, uh, that guy's very interesting to listen to. I like hearing him. And, of course, I love the, come on, because, you know, it's hot, bro. Listen, bro, I'm going to enjoy a little vino, a little charcuteries. Hope you guys uh, have a good week. Enjoy your vacation. And, uh, you know, you'll hear from me this summer, bro. Three months off. Later, bro. Nice job, Rakim. You made it better. Good night now!